And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. The men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Good Sunday afternoon. Welcome to Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. Today, my guest is uh, Robert Beavis, and Robert has a business in uh, actually just a little west of Chicago in Naperville, Illinois. It's called Law, Weapons, and Supply, and he's got a very, very interesting story because he moved uh, to Illinois from Florida at the request of a mayor who wanted him to be there, uh, wanted him to open a business there because the uh, community wanted his uh, his support. He uh, They knew he was a job creator, and uh, they asked him to come to Illinois. Now, most of his business is illegal, according to the uh, not only the town statutes, but now the governor, Pritzker, uh, has also pushed uh, making AR-15s and so-called assault weapons illegal in the state of Illinois. Robert, uh, we've had a little uh, conversation offline, but I, I, uh, I think this is an incredibly important story because we feel that we're turning the corner in uh, 2024. We believe that America is finally starting to wake up to the reality of the world we're living in and just how insidious so many of these different things that are going on are and how difficult they are for average Americans. And now we've got this case coming before the Supreme Court Hopefully, before they figure out a way to pack the courts, uh, we're going to have a positive outcome from this. Robert, welcome to the program. Please uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and how you ended up in Naperville. Well, hello, Dan, and thanks a lot for having me on the show. Um, well, let's see. Uh, you know, I started out and my father is a gun dealer and uh, um, competition shooter back in Miami, Florida. And at age 11, he owned a, a gun shop and I wound up working over there. I had to staple targets and sweep the floors. And, you know, I got paid uh, a Whopper, a milkshake and got to shoot 200 rounds of anything in the store I wanted. 
And, uh, you know, so that sort of started. I loved doing it. My mom didn't like it. She wanted to be in school all the time. And I'd every waking minute that I had, I wanted to be at the gun shop. And, you know, eventually I became, uh, you know, a gunsmith and uh, loved the, you know, the the industry so much that, uh, you know, I stayed with it and became a competition shooter and instructor and, you know, and uh, just stayed with it. And then now you, we moved into Illinois in 1995, actually. Mm-hmm. And okay. or actually 93, but in 95, I opened up my uh, gun shop. But at that time, it only dealt with law enforcement. I didn't really open up to the public. Um, but in uh, 2009, uh, we got uh, we opened up to the general public and it just started growing from then on. So we've had my wife, son and daughter and myself. And then at one point, uh, 11 employees and doing about 4 million a year in sales. And, uh, it was, uh, everything was going great. Um, and then in 2012, the mayor of Naperville, you know, come into my shop, which was in another town, a few towns over, he came in there and he said, Hey, we'd love to have you in Naperville. Why, why don't you consider moving? You'd be the first gun shop ever in the, in the city. And, uh, we'd welcome you to come over and, so we thought about it. It was a large expense to move, but we said, okay, you know what, let's do it. So we packed up, we moved the store and, and, um, you know, had a great run, uh, you know, became great friends with the local police and all the different, uh, you know, citizens there. And, uh, and then 2022 happened and they mm-hmm. decided to enact this ordinance to, uh, prevent the sale of what they call assault weapons, which we all know are common semi-automatic firearms that, uh, you know, assault weapon is just a hyperbole. It's just a, a, a political word that they use to make it sound scary. But, um, but that's where we are today. You know, and we, we, we've got this Naperville ordinance was put in place. So I sat there and asked the family, look, do you want them just move out of the town or should we, uh, you know, stand and fight for everybody's rights? And unanimously they said, let's fight. So, here we are. Well, I'm glad that uh, somebody in this country is willing to do that. Obviously, there are a few different groups that are doing that. And uh, let's talk about the uh, the fact that the Illinois governor uh, joined in with the city when you were trying to uh, bring this forward in a court system. Uh, let's talk about exactly how that happened. And of course, we know what happened with uh, the uh, cities in the summer of love and what happened to police departments and uh, just the politic, uh, political aspects of this whole uh, really, this whole administration and, uh, you know, the things that are going on in our country. If there was ever a reason that we need people to have the right to the Second Amendment, it's certainly now. That's for sure. Um, well, let's start off with, you know, what happened in Naperville. So in, uh, I think it was it was actually July, it was July of 22, I got a call from the city uh, uh, attorney and he said, Hey, Robert, we're looking at, uh, you know, possibly putting an assault weapons ban in this, in the entire city. And I said, well, you know, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, we want to, 
banned certain rifles and uh, high capacity magazines and handguns and shotguns. And, and he said, we really like your input on this, on how to do it. And, and I said, well, you know, I think that uh, I'm not going to give you any input. I don't think it's a uh, number one constitutional. And I think that you'll be just harming law abiding citizens. And, uh, the may the the uh, city attorney said to me, "Well, we're going to be doing this, um, you know, whether you like it or not, we're going to do it." And he said, "But we'd sure like you to come to one of the meetings." So I was not a political guy; I'd never been to a meeting before, you know, except for uh, maybe getting a building permit or something. But um, you know, so I went to the meeting, and I thought for sure when I saw the draft uh, ordinance, I said, "Well." I'm going to go in there and explain the the facts to them. And they're going to say, hey, Rob, you're right. And they're going to throw this out. So I went in there and explained that, look, you know, preventing law-abiding citizens from owning specific types of firearms is not going to stop crime. It's not going to stop one bullet from coming into the city of Naperville. It's not going to stop any of these hor- uh, horrendous crimes that nobody uh, likes and, and wish would, would never happen. But it's not going to do what they're saying it's going to do. They're saying it's going to stop crime and save lives by preventing law-abiding citizens from mm-hmm. having these firearms. And when I went in there and they just looked at me and I, I gave a nice uh presentation and i explained it very uh you know professionally and uh respectfully to the council and you know and showed them the facts and the data on it and when they just said no we're doing it anyway i could not understand for the life of me why somebody would do it knowing that it's not gonna produce the results that they want and you know so i was dumbfounded. Now I started researching a little bit and talking with a few groups and I figured out that, hey, the councilmen, they're there to protect their seat or to try to get a seat in a higher office somewhere. And they're going to go with whatever they think is going to make that happen. So it's all political theater. And, you know, otherwise they're just average Joe mowing their lawn like you and me, if they're not being, uh, you know, wined and dined as a, a council member or as a some official. So, When that happened, I told them, I said, listen, before you put this ordinance in place, you should grandfather me in, because if you don't, I will fight you. And they said, well, if we do that, then all the FFLs, you know, the kitchen table FFLs are going to fight them anyway. And I said, but they don't have any teeth. I do. And I will fight it till the end. And well, they enacted that ordinance. So I said, challenge accepted. And here we are. Um, we had we filed a lawsuit against the city of Naperville, and then what I and I I thought to myself, hey, you know, we've got some money in the bank. We could fight this for years to come. You know, we we could do fine. What I didn't account for was the loss of revenue that would happen, mm-hmm. and the reason that happened is because of the media spinning it, saying that you know I'm going out of business. You know, they're going to run me out of business, and I'll be gone, and. So customers started going elsewhere to buy their firearms, and my revenue dropped about 80% in a matter of three to four months. Um, so so that was a big, a big hit. And then along comes the state of Illinois, and uh, they introduced this new Protect Illinois Communities Act, which is basically the same thing Naperville did, but even further. Um, and when that happened, I went ahead and teamed up with the National Association for Gun Rights, and they helped me put the case together and actually 
at, uh, enjoined the state of, of Illinois also in the lawsuit. So we are the lead case in the state against them. All the other cases have been combined to the THARS. And uh, we are now next week, we're filing a, a writ of sciciori uh, or cert to the mm -hmm. Supreme Court, requesting them to step in and stop this unconstitutional law. Mm -hmm. Well, and rightfully so. One of the things that uh, is, is, and I did read through the, uh, uh, the uh, legal brief that uh, Seventh Circuit uh, sent uh, with their decision on it. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing. They, you're, you're exactly right. They use a very scary term when they use assault weapons. And, you know, the fact is the AR-15, AR-10, um, they're just basically an extremely good platform to put a lot of different, mount a lot of different accessories on, and they're virtually indestructible. There's a reason that that platform is so uh, successful because, you know, I've got all kinds of uh, different firearms. Uh, Woodstock, 270s, uh, Rugers, Weatherbees, you know, you name it. But I prefer to use that uh, particular platform because I don't have to worry about uh, weather. I don't have to worry about them getting beat up when you go out to the range. Um, there, there's a lot of reasons that these platforms are so uh, incredibly successful and really, it's nothing to do with them being, uh, you know, an assault weapon because, in fact, they're semi-automatic. Um, they have a lot of different capabilities, but frankly, I don't see any reason in the world why anyone would want to uh, in, include this in some kind of a, a banned weapon unless you're trying to get rid of guns. It's just pretty simple. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, some of the reasons for the, the AR-15 is, you know, it's a simple simple to use, right? So um, smaller framed people, women, uh, shorter men, things, it's fully adjustable. So, you know, it makes it easy to shoot. It doesn't have lots of recoil. You know, it's easy to maintain and you can customize it any way you want. You can make it pink, you can make it blue. You can put different hand guards and different types of stocks on it and grips and triggers and, you know, all types of optics. So it's a very versatile platform, sort of like a Jeep Wrangler. You know, people modify mm -hmm. those to, to no end. Um, so that's one of the reasons, but I mean, that, that the gun is such a, a great, uh, platform, but you know what they're what they're doing is they're saying that hey, this rifle, you know, calling it an assault weapon. Number one, I don't know what an assault weapon is. If I hit you in the head with a marshmallow, I guess I've got an assault weapon. You know, I've assaulted you with an assault marshmallow, right? Mm -hmm. Because assaulting is when you're uh, assaulting somebody, usually verbally, but uh, calling it an assault weapon, it could be anything, a pencil, a fork, a spoon, you know, a marshmallow, a brick, anything could be an assault weapon. But they, they say that it's, you know, militaristic assault weapon. You know, they start try to add on to it to make them sound even scarier. But the average person thinks assault weapon, what do they think of? They think of a Ma Deuce shooting 50 cal, you know, full automatic ammunition and cutting right through tanks. Uh, that's mm -hmm. what a lot of people think. But when you're not a critical thinker and you 
you just sort of follow the crowd and that's the impression you get well this rifle the caliber is 22. it's a very small diameter caliber in fact most states won't allow you to hunt deer with it because right. the caliber is too small right, right. Um, right. But they say oh no it'll blow your arm off you know you listen to some of these these anti-gunners and the things they say and you know you you just you're amazed that they can try to make laws on things they know nothing about whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're uh, really right about that. And incidentally, I did see that uh, they were banning 50 caliber weapons yep. and 50, 50 caliber ammunition. And I can tell you from uh, personal experience, uh, that is certainly not uh, a, a weapon that a gangbanger is going to be uh, using, you know, that's just that right. simple. They're right. expensive. Uh, the ammunition's expensive, and frankly, they've got a horrific amount of recoil. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't, you know, nobody's got uh, machine guns. So you're talking a, a Dakota um, 50 cal, something that's a single, uh, you know, a bolt action uh weapon with 50 caliber i was surprised that that 50 caliber was in that same category and uh it just shows like you say it's not about the weapon it's about uh really trying to promote gun control any way you can do it and you're that's absolutely correct you're absolutely right um yeah the 50 caliber you know uh, why they threw that in there i have no idea either because you know, you know as well as I do, a 308 or 270 or 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 any of these other hunting rounds do a heck of a lot more damage than the 223 or 556 would ever do, mm-hmm. and they're more accurate and they shoot a longer distance. Right. You know, so I have no idea why, but you know, one of the other things that uh, they they always seem to to bring up is they say, uh, you know, nobody needs you know 30 <laughs> rounds when they talk about high capacity magazines. Nobody needs 30 rounds, you know, and I actually spoke with one of the council members before they enacted this, you know, and she's a a military lady. And so she was in the military and uh, and she was actually a prosecuting uh, attorney. Um, And I spoke with her and she said to me, she goes, you know, why would somebody need more than 10 rounds? And I said to her, well, you know, why do you put more than two gallons of gas in your car to go to the grocery store? You know? It's, you don't have to refill it all the time, right? Maybe that's the reason. I said, but in a defensive situation, let's say you're at home and the bad guys, you know, we have another, you know, uncivil uh, or, or civil unrest and you've got a another riot going on, right? And someone comes beating on your front door. So you lock yourself in the bedroom with your kids and you pull out your 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 handgun, right, with 10 rounds in it. And when he's knifing through your bedroom door and finally busts it open and you fire those rounds and let's say in the ninth round it knocks him down you know congratulations you stopped him right what do you do about the other six guys coming in behind him mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. she said something to me like well if you can't hit him in 10 rounds you shouldn't be shooting anyway and i was like what what does that mean you know mm-hmm. you don't defend yourself if you're not very good at it Another, right right you know? so, so it's just idiotic things that they say that drive me crazy. And, you know, for them to say that, you know, law-abiding citizens shouldn't have these guns to stop, you know, shootings. Well, that's sort of, to me, that's like saying to stop drunk drivers from killing sober drivers, just don't let sober drivers drive. Mm -hmm. 
That's exactly what they're doing, Robert. That's exactly what it's all about. It isn't about stopping crime. It's about stopping law-abiding citizens from being able to defend themselves from crime. Now, we saw this in the summer of love. Okay, we saw it in the summer of love. I'm sure you're uh, probably like me, very aware of uh, the January Sixers and the and the miscarriages of justice that have been part of our so-called justice department. And I say justice; it's just us, just uh, us. the way they mean that, but. Um, yeah. The summer of love, because all the lefties loved it and, and loved the fact that it was all about dismantling uh, law-abiding, uh, peaceful uh, protests and turning uh, rioters and people who are uh, very, very dangerous groups, uh, certainly Antifa and BLM, they're both Marxist groups. They both openly talk about the overthrow of the U.S. government, okay? Yeah. It's very much a part of their... Uh, but yet, because they were the flavor of the month for the liberals, they it was called the summer of love, in spite of the fact that they burned down large sections of cities all over the country and destroyed businesses and uh, killed people and killed police officers and certainly hurt a lot of people. Uh, It was all about the summer of love. Now, they wouldn't possibly go after these groups, but they want to go after law-abiding citizens. Mm -hmm. It's it's, uh, pretty obvious to me that it's never been about uh, crime. It's been about control. It's been about taking away your ability as a citizen to protect yourself from all the crap that they've got planned for us. That's right. They well, what they want is just control over you. You know, they know that they can't go and uh, you know just start arresting people and taking their guns away because they will defend themselves. And what they want to do is get you as dependent on the government as possible so that they can decide who's a good person and who isn't you know when 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 they're controlling you know how much water you can have or how much air you can breathe and they don't like what you say then they just cut you off on those areas and mm-hmm. that's what it's starting to get to where is the freedom in our country anymore you know I, if we don't stand up and fight for these rights when it's the little tip of the spear coming through they're going to slowly take them away you know these rights are like muscles you've got to flex them and you got to keep them exercised or you're going to be or they're going to go away and you know i as a small business owner look i'm not a celebrity i'm not some huge influencer here you know i'm a small business but you know i'm pr- pretty proud of what we've done so far because Either way, this case is going to make history. It's going to change the way gun control is thought of across the country. And in my little way, I'm very proud of that. And I feel that, you know, I should have stepped up many, many years ago. I didn't go to the NRA rallies and get all caught up in the politics and things, but I I should have woken, uh, you know, opened my eyes earlier. And Mm -hmm. me as a little business owner, I've made a big difference. You know, we got 1,800 people to vote who never voted before in their lives, you know, Mm -hmm. and just by by talking to them and, and, and explaining that, yes, your vote actually matters. 
some of the things that I've I've learned is that you know right wing people us who work hard for a living you know I found that a lot of them just say hey my vote doesn't matter and if I do something it isn't going to make a difference you know and there's so many people that have that mindset uh, that that's the problem these. Democrat uh, anti-gunners and stuff are sitting in their basement collecting government checks and typing away on social media all day long. And we have to work. You know, that's why they have meetings at at nine o'clock in the morning when all the Republicans are working, you know, Mm -hmm. or do things in the middle of the night. And, uh, you know, and that's that's something that I've just learned. And I feel that we need to spread the word and tell everybody, wake up and just get out there and 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 stand up for your own rights, talk to people, get talk to your neighbors, the people close around you, and get everybody to go out and vote for these, uh, you know, for the right people. Because we actually control things if we can if we can vote correctly and we outnumber them. So, you know, I think uh, you know, that that's my biggest message to people. And and I'm trying to do that by but you know, I'm well risking my lifelong business here at this, you know. And and I just wish mm-hmm. I could do more, but you know, I'm I'm limited as one person and uh, you know, with a, a business that you know is now doing twenty percent of the business it used to. So All right. it's pretty rough. All right. Well, let's talk about that business because sure. you had a great relationship with uh local law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um you uh you Naperville is just west of Chicago, a little bit uh west of Chicago, a little yeah, south. Yeah, about 20 minutes. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, when uh, the Summer of Love was going on and all the other things that were going on back in uh, 2020, uh, <clears throat> what about the relationship you had with local law enforcement and the attitudes then before uh, the O'Biden administration and all the uh, so-called Justice Department people uh, took over the dialogue. Wasn't it a little bit different back when all this stuff was going on? Yes, I, I would say it was. Um, but in the and probably for a little different reason than you think. Uh, the individual officers that we deal with on a daily basis that come into our store, you know, they all think these these laws are ridiculous. You know, and they they. They're they're more uh, right wing thinkers like we are, but uh, but when you get to the higher ups, you get to the the lieutenants and deputy chiefs and you know chiefs of police, the actual decision makers within the departments, they're political uh, fuel animals. Yeah. yeah, they're they're fueled by by political uh, issues, and you know, and they're controlled by the mayor and things like that. So so you you our relationships with the departments themselves has deteriorated quite a bit, you know, where you would sell them all of their firearms for the, for the entire department. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. Now you still have individual officers that come in and support us. And, you know, and I've had local law enforcement go around to all of the officers in their department and pass around a hat uh, to, you know, throw some money in to help us. And I've had, I've had, um, uh, different federal law enforcement guys come out and actually put a day's labor in at my gun shop. Do we just want to help? So put us to work. What can we do for you? So mm-hmm. in that sense, the individual officers and my relationship is is still there. 
but the departmental relationships and the bigger the ones that, that make you some money are 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 gone and uh and it maybe not because they want to but because they don't want to have you know it's the optics of it uh you know like the city of naperville i'm suing the city right so the department can't buy anything from me i'm i'm now the enemy right mm-hmm. um so so those type of issues are happening but I'll tell you one thing, the sheriffs are on our side. You got 90, 98 sheriffs out here that refuse to uh, enforce this law out of the 102 counties, 98 of them are refusing it. So wow. that is wow. a great thing. Yes. Uh, and that just tells you how how everybody sees this as a very unconstitutional law. And I'm confident it'll get struck down. I just I just hope I can keep the business open and keep moving forward because if they, if we were to close our doors, that would set back these lawsuits years, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd be back to, you know, uh, the circuit court level. Um, because if they file a motion to dismiss because I'm no longer there, believe me, those Seventh Circuit judges would give it to them in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we got to keep things going, and and it'll bring me into some of these uh, uh, solutions I have for some of these uh, assault weapons ban that they call it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about mm-hmm. here soon. Okay, well, uh, that's a good segue into that because I've I've read through uh, much of the uh, uh, court case. I have uh, looked at the uh, decisions. I noticed that uh, uh, Judge Brennan was the one that uh, voted uh, to uh, against this, Correct. Uh, and some pretty solid logic in his arguments, frankly, very solid arguments. But uh, this is going to have to uh, make it to the Supreme Court, no question about it. How many of these cases are out there right now that are looking for uh, the court, the U.S. Supreme Court, to actually get involved? Do you have any idea the number that are out there? Um, Well, as far as in Illinois, I can tell you, um, so there's, uh, I believe, six cases um, there were some there were some state level cases and federal level cases that all of them wound up being combined into my case mm-hmm. uh, for ease of of, you know, of them ruling you know, against it. Uh, but the 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 appellate court uh, said, hey, let's uh, let's join all the cases together and we'll hear it one time. Uh, Judge Easterbrook there uh, who thinks he should be on the uh, Supreme Court and is mad that he's not. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. well, you know, he, he basically put them all together. So now we have, uh, there's six cases that can go individually if they want to the Supreme court, or they can stay, you know, stay connected to my case. Um, we're the oldest docket out there. So we'll probably be the first one, uh, to be heard. So hopefully they'll all get on, uh, and mm-hmm. be part of it. Am I losing? So you're bringing up. No, nope, no. Nope. Okay. Uh, we actually, yep. uh, thumper. Uh, put your case up on screen, and uh, yeah. I, you know, I, it's important that people uh, understand that uh, this is something that's got to have a huge impact because you're right; it does combine a number of different cases with yours, and they talk about it throughout the uh, language of their so-called decision. But um, I did notice that. Uh, uh, Brendan was uh, Brennan was the uh, 
uh, circuit judge that uh, had a dissenting opinion, and right. I I did like uh, you know a lot of the logic in his dissenting opinion. Yeah, it's just uh, you know it's it's logical. That's why mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. it it really uh, makes sense, and uh, you know it's it's absolutely against. This is going directly against the Heller and uh, Bruin decision, which is what the Supreme Court has ordered. And, uh, you know, there's even a point in here where they say an AR-15 is not a gun. Right. And right. It's, it's incredible uh, how this is written. Well, um, I know that you're, um, you're, you're dealing with attorneys on this, but uh, can you talk a little bit about... Uh, your um what you plan to carry forward to the supreme court well um no i really can't talk about the specifics of it but it isn't much different than what we've been arguing from the beginning mm -hmm. you know uh this is our constitutional right you can't use interest balancing to decide whether or not uh, a right is valid right you can't say that hey because uh you know it, that people will be safer if we take these guns away. You can't take away a right like that. That's like saying, you know, you can't, uh, uh, can no longer practice your religion, you know, but mm -hmm. you know, the second amendment is the only right that says shall not be infringed. Right. right. It's the only right. one. So I think that it's not a secondary, right? It's a full blown, right? Like every other right out there. Um, but you know, they, they come up with this stuff like, you know, uh, well, back in the founding days, uh, we didn't have AR-15, so they, they didn't know what they were talking about. Well, if, they, if that's the case, then we should all still be using parchment paper and quill pens, you know, to communicate. You know, the mm -hmm. Internet shouldn't be allowed. You know, we should send smoke signals or whatever, you know. But, you know, just because a, 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 the firearm has evolved or, or, you know, people have evolved doesn't mean you lose your rights over it. So that's there's a lot of that inside of the 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 uh, cert to the Supreme Court that we were going to file. But, you know, the, some of the things that they have said are not even worth addressing. It makes mm -hmm. no sense. And, you know, the Supreme Court are very smart justices, right? They didn't get there because they just, uh, you know, were dumb. Right? Well, there's you know, a few exactly. of them I'll take exception with on that. But, uh, yeah, well, I I would they, certainly not think... Uh, well, uh, so the mayor would be uh, considered a, a, a judicial genius, but anyway. No, but you know, <laughs> but you know what? They're smart enough to try to get their uh, point across and to try to circumvent what's obvious. So they, they, they usually they're pretty smart. But you know, I know for a fact that once they the the Supreme Court has looked at the at the um, opinion of the Seventh Circuit or the appellate court. And they're blatantly slapping the Supreme Court in the face. They're mm -hmm. saying, you know, Bruin doesn't matter. What you said isn't true. You know, assault uh, AR-15s are not guns. Uh, you know, we have the right to ban them. You know, all the things that they said you couldn't do and tried to clarify in Bruin from the Heller decision, they're just slapping them in the face. And I think that a lot of those law scholars like Amy Coney Barrett, who's used to teaching law, is going to want to teach them a lesson as an inferior court. And I think that's mm -hmm. exactly what will happen. They're hoping that somehow they can wait this out and get the makeup of the courts to change. Someone retire or something happen where they can appoint other justices there and sort of tilt the scale. You know, but mm -hmm. right now, the way it sits, 
uh, we're, we're in a very good position to, to change this forever in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And of course, uh, Thumper had on page three, it was something that was fascinating. They used that uh, tactical nuclear uh, oh, Davy yeah. Crockett, uh, uh, which was a, a, a shell actually, that was a nuclear device uh, and say, oh yeah, well, if you can have uh, things like AR-15s and why, you know, what's- Why can't you have nuclear weapons? Right, right, from Uh, having nuclear weapons. I mean, the logic is bizarre. They they also said, oh, if grenades are popular, why should we allow grenades? Well, you know, there's a little bit difference between a bomb or an explosive that will, you know, has a lot of mass casualty when it goes off than a weapon that's used for defense where you're selectively trying to defend yourself from an individual. You know, mm-hmm. I guess if there was a, a, you know, a huge crowd of zombies coming at you, yeah, I guess a grenade would be great, you know, but you know, that isn't, that it makes no sense. It's not what we're arguing and what anybody's even right. brought up. For them to say, oh, you know, why don't we give them nuclear weapons? Or for just like when Biden said, hey, if you want to protect yourself from the government, you're going to need some F-16s, right? Well, I I think, uh, you know, well, I won't even say. I think that's uh, some bad uh, verbiage coming out of the president's mouth. But uh, he says he does that all the time. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. what I wanted to talk a little bit about is uh, is the actual – law itself and the way they wrote it. You know, they were in okay. such a haste to get this thing going that they made a lot of mistakes. Let's uh, talk about that. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that uh, stuck stuck out to me is, you know, they list all these 180 guns that are illegal and anything like it and copies and facsimiles and duplicates or, or close to this type of gun. It's all illegal, right? But then they, they say... Uh, in, I don't know, paragraph two, we'll call it, uh, they say that an assault weapon does not include any firearm that is bolt action, pump action, lever action, or slide action, which means that any gun that you have that is a pump action or lever or bolt action is not an assault weapon, which doesn't have to be registered. You don't have to register Mm non-assault weapons in their eyes. So, what I did is we took a AR-15 bolt, the actual bolt from the gun, and we modified it in a way with the CNC machines. You know, I'm a manufacturer as well, so so we have some CNC machines and stuff. And we uh, altered that bolt to allow uh, it to bypass the gas system of the AR-15. So by installing this bolt, the gun then becomes a bolt-action rifle. You can't fire it in semi-automatic mode. You fire it one shot and you have to charge the handle and fire it again. Mm -hmm. And by replacing that bolt, turning it into a bolt action rifle, declassifies it as their assault weapons. And I'll tell you what, I think I've sold as many uh, bolts as they have, they have registered guns, you know, under this Mm -hmm. law. So um, that is a, it's a huge uh, help. And, And the other thing is that these laws are literally copy and pasted across the States if you read the verbiage in it, it's the same as California and New York and New Jersey and Washington and Colorado, everywhere. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'm hoping is that we can get this word out to people that, hey, if they buy these bolts from us, they can turn their guns into uh, you know, bolt action rifles and prevent 
it from being classified as an assault weapon. You know, in fact, there are gun shops in Illinois right now that are selling AR-15 bolt-action rifles because of the conversion. So mm-hmm. uh, that's something that we offer. That's one of our solutions. Another one was uh, they also said that an assault weapon is not something that is unserviceable or made permanently inoperable. So unserviceable means it doesn't work as intended. So we were we have also have a solution to for the firearms that we don't make bolts for. We can make the gun unserviceable, and uh, it's basically welding a piece of metal uh, through the ejection port and magazine well and welding a, like a loop, like think of it like a horseshoe that's welded, and it locks the gun or a big lock on the gun. The gun is unserviceable. It can't be fired, and it is no longer an assault weapon as well. So that's another option that we that we have uh, mm-hmm. out there, and we're doing quite a few of those as well. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that because yeah. uh, I, I think there are ways to certainly um, defeat that law without uh, – making the the weapon completely unserviceable or inoperable well it's um, easily converted back though it's not permanent is that okay yes yeah, so you just simply remove that but if you were to remove it under current law in illinois for instance if you removed it the gun would then be an assault weapon again and would be required to be registered the idea is not having to register this firearm um, so that, that people have millions and millions of here you know mm-hmm. so right now i think there's approximately eh, about 2.3 million felons in Illinois mm-hmm. that yeah. haven't registered their firearms. Right, right. And uh, I, I, I agree with that. Incidentally, I'm sure you're familiar with it because I'm sure you're familiar with weapons uh, histories. But uh, when the uh, uh, Japanese took over Singapore in uh, 19 in the uh, early. Uh, spring of 1942, um, the uh, British didn't have automatic weapons to speak of. They That was one of the problems. They didn't have a lot. And they converted old SMLE uh, Enfield rifle, bolt-action rifles into semi-automatic, into full automatics uh, by rigging some deal that would allow that bolt to uh, move very quickly. Now, anybody that wants to be illegal could be illegal. And that's kind of yeah. the point of all this. Right. Uh, it's not the law-abiding citizens you need to worry about. You need to worry about the the guys out there that, uh, you know, that will, that can basically create a weapon in a prison. And there's been numerous instances of that. Um, you know, why are we going after the law-abiding citizens instead of just doing a good job of uh, going after the 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 lawbreakers? Well, I, I have no idea, you know, why they do this and why they blame the gun for the for the problem all the time. You know, we don't blame the the car when they get in when there's a DUI accident. We don't blame the car. We don't mm-hmm. say, hey, we got to take that specific car away because there's so many of them are out there, you know, driving drunk, you know, or drunk drivers mm-hmm. are using them to crash into people. Nothing, nothing like that is said. You know, the, there's other ironic things that go on, like in Naperville here. They, they, There's actually like four marijuana dispensaries here in Illinois. I mean, in Naperville, mm-hmm. right? That's federally illegal. It's a class one narcotic. 
The federal mm-hmm. government does not allow marijuana sales. Right. In fact, if you try to buy a firearm and you are uh, a user of marijuana, whether it's a prescription or not, they will not give you a a clear background check. Mm -hmm. But here I am, the federally licensed firearms dealer, lawfully dealing in firearms, and I'm the bad guy. You know, they've got four dispensaries selling marijuana all over the place, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't know what the statistics are and people, you know, smoking marijuana and walking in front of a train or whatever happens. But I'm sure there's a lot of deaths caused from that. But none of that's ever mentioned. It's always the firearms, the problem. And I just uh, you know feel that, you know, whatever I can do to help people, you know, see the light and protect our rights is what we mm-hmm. want to do. And it's one of the reasons I'm on your show today, Dan, is because uh, I see, you know, when we, you and I talked, uh, you're definitely a huge supporter of the second amendment. And, and I knew that, uh, you know, talking to you is going to get out to people of like-minded that will, you know, maybe say, Hey, today's the day I'm just going to do something. I'm going to write a letter to my governor. I'm going to make sure mm-hmm. I'm there to vote. I'm going to express my, you know, exercise my rights, whatever they are, you know, and not let people take them away and talk to those family members or those friends that, uh, you know, that see it a different way. And maybe talk a little bit and explain some of the the, the positives of, of owning a firearm. Let, let, let me tell you, you look at what Russia trying to take over Ukraine has had, right? Ukraine has fought them off. Look, Russia's a superpower, Right. I mean, they, they just overwhelm them by enough people and go in there and take it over. But they haven't been able to do it. And they didn't have many arms. They weren't well armed, you know. Uh, so we not only protect ourselves from foreign invaders, but those domestic as well. And if we the way I see this government going, you know, we might have to defend ourselves from them. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and Robert, that's what the Second Amendment was about it was no. never about uh, duck hunting or no. uh, sport shooting it was a ta- it was to allow the american people to never have to worry about their government becoming so despotic that it took away all their rights and gave them the opportunity to defend those rights <clears throat> that's what the second amendment has always been about and anybody that denies that does not recognize what our whole history is. Our founding oh, sure fathers, um, you know, all the writings that they did, literally hundreds and hundreds of writings explaining why they thought it was so important to have the right for average Americans to be able to arm themselves and be able to fight in case the government took over and uh, control them, because that's exactly what happened under the British rule. That's right. And history has shown it everywhere. First mm-hmm. thing they do is start a gun registry. Then they disarm your, your the, the citizens, and then they, they take their guns away completely. You know, and then mm-hmm. nobody has any rights. You cannot fight back. Like right, right now, we this registry is the very first step that, that's happening. And, you know, what, what we've heard, uh, there's a lot of rumors out there. I, and uh, right now, as Governor Pritzker is looking at, he has an emergency order that's pre-written that's going to do a complete prohibition of the firearms in Illinois. And he's he's using the context of since we aren't you know responsible enough to register our guns because of the lack of compliance with the registry that we can't we can't be trusted to have them. And mm-hmm. he's uh, supposedly going to uh, you know issue this emergency order as soon as the next 
mass shooting happens that they call it, you know, mm-hmm. but they don't, they don't talk, you know, next mass shooting, whether it's in Illinois or not, but there's a mass shooting every weekend in Chicago, you yeah. know, every weekend. They don't even talk about them. No, you know. it's, it's so, it's so natural. It's, mm-hmm. it's like on the 27th page of the newspaper. Now, how many deaths mm-hmm. there were that day, you know, well, right up, you know, the a, first thing on the news is, uh, you know, why we need, uh, uh we need neutral gender bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you, you know, let's talk about all the illegal uh, guns that are out there because there are a lot of lawbreakers out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they can, it doesn't matter. They can get firearms. Look what uh, Obama did uh, with Fast and Furious. Look what he did yeah. on our southern border. Uh, you know, our own Justice Department was part of that program that sold uh, thousands of weapons to the gr- drug cartels yeah. and the gangbangers down south of the border. It was to create the kind of chaos that they could use yeah. as a soundbite to try to clamp down on uh, legal firearms in the United States. This is the kind of crap that, uh, you know, people are losing respect for law and order in this country for good reason, because law and order is so subjective anymore that uh, you got to look at who's behind all this stuff. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll, I I do know that, you know, the, the way, the best way for them to get, to reach people and get them to look at, uh, see it their way is through the news media. You know, it's through these mm-hmm. these mainstream news media. And, you know, when they, they sit there and they'll say, oh, you know, we just had, uh, I don't know, 12 people were killed at this mass shooting, right? But they don't, they don't say, you know, that, hey, it was a deranged person that's been on this lithium and, and mental medication and has had four or five run-ins with the law and, you know, and killed these animals first and then graduated up to going and shooting up a school or something like that. They don't bring any of that up. They simply say, Oh, it's the AR 15. It's the, it's these assault weapons. This is what's, you know, they shoot some, they shoot a million bullets a second and that's, what's killing everybody. But, you know, if you look at the history, there's what, uh, I think there's 40 or 400 million or no, I'm sorry, 40 million, uh, uh, AR-15s in the country, and there's been what 16 shootings in the last 20 mm-hmm. years with an mm-hmm. AR-15. Yeah. What happened to the other 40 million? Uh, they're all law-abiding. They're the people that own them. And then they, if you look at the statistics on how many people actually uh, defend themselves with a firearm on a yearly basis, you know, using the CDC's numbers and stuff, it's anywhere between 500,000 and 3 million times a year. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, and there was something else that was uh, brought up in the uh, court case there where they they said, uh, you know, we cannot prove that these firearms are used for self-defense. You know, they say, unless you've actually used the AR-15 to defend yourself and shot somebody, that we can't count those numbers of where you just pulled it out and the guy ran away. Or you have it in your house because in case they break in, that gun is there to be used to protect yourself. They they say, oh, you actually literally have to shoot somebody with it before you can count it as a number. And those type of, you know, flipping the numbers all the mm-hmm. time, you know, they, they call crime guns, for instance. 
a crime gun. Do you know what that is, Dan? What a crime gun is? <laughs> well, I I guess I don't. Yeah, well, a crime gun is you would think a gun that's been used in a crime, right? Mm -hmm. You would well, think. No, if you get let's say you you you're friend of yours is out hunting and he took 10 guns with him and him and a few buddies they went out hunting for deer and on the way back they you know i don't know one of them had a, had one too many beers and got pulled over and he was over the legal limit well they confiscate all those guns and then they throw them into the pile of crime guns mm. if you have domestic battery or domestic violence uh uh claim against you they come and take all of your guns from your house here in Illinois, because if you mm -hmm. if you get uh, charged with that, you're guilty until proven innocent. So they come and take all your guns. Those are all crime guns. And that's where they get these numbers from. They they just they misconstrue so much information out there. And then the media gets it all wrong and mixes it all up. And then everybody else starts talking and it gets even further mixed up. And there's there's no critical thinkers anymore. There's nobody mm -hmm. out there that really looks at this and says, you know, it, they they all come to me and they say, oh, you know, they I might as well register my gun because they already know I have it anyway. And I say, well, then why do they want you to register it if they already know? Yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. like, well, they have to know. I said, no, they don't know. But those type of things are, are just what I see so common. And uh, maybe it's because I'm in the industry and I've had you know very narrow vision, you know, and I've been doing the same thing for so long that you know it just blares out at me. But how do we get it to blare out to everybody else? What can we do? Mm -hmm. Well, what they're doing is that they're trying to criminalize and they're trying to find um, a statistic that backs up what they're trying to accomplish. And, uh, you know, I, I noticed in that court case, they said, uh, 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 Mark Twain, uh, uh, Clements said, um, uh, famously said, there are uh, three kinds of liars. There's liars, there's uh, damn liars, and there's statistics. And <laughs> I love that saying because it's true. They, you know, they use statistics in any way they can, and it doesn't matter how accurate those statistics are. Now, in that uh, in that brief, I read they said forty eight thousand. Uh, uh, deaths per year from firearms. Well, in mm -hmm. in what uh, in what context? Exactly. And where? And does that include uh, how many countries or what locations? Or you know, I mean, they're just uh, they use statistics in ways that are really um, well. They're just outright lies. It's just a matter of how how you want to interpret it. Right, now, math is interesting, isn't it? It is. Math is very interesting. And then, of course, uh, we've got groups like the World Health Organization who happen to say that uh, let's produce as many uh, vaccines, uh, COVID-19 vaccines, even though they're unproven and uh, untested, let's make sure everybody in the world gets one. But they're also the ones that are behind all these uh, uh, so-called statistics about crime with firearms. And they're the ones, naturally, a UN organization uh, that want to ban all firearms for all uh, law-abiding citizens. Uh -huh. You know, it's fascinating the groups that are part of this whole propaganda campaign that's geared against our Second Amendment right. It is. It really is. Yep. Yeah.
Well, um, you talked about their court case. I'd like to I'd like to find out uh, what some of the other uh, outright lies that were part of their um, defense of uh, these uh, unconstitutional laws. Can you give us a, a full rundown of some of the things that they were uh, promoting? Gosh, there's so many in my mind is so uh, full. I can't uh, even <laughs> begin to tell you how, how many there there's there's tons of them. Um, what I'd like to do, though, is I'd like to get, uh, you know, Hannah Hill, who is a uh, uh, one of the coordinators over at National Gun Rights to come on your show and literally break it down, you know, piece by piece on that. Now, now we had a uh, a video of Hannah. Now, I don't know if you have that. I got it. Uh, Thumper, that's uh, that's the video. It's not the one about uh, 2023 being the big year of uh, of uh, the hardcore anti-gunners but it's uh, the other video it's the one that says that an ar-15 is not a gun yeah yeah he's got it we can go yeah, ahead and why play don't we that. play that and listen to what hannah has to say yeah, yeah. give give me just a moment let me have it all uh uh queued up here so okay uh, sure I'll, sure give me a minute absolutely yeah. and while yeah, he's and doing that dan Let's bring some of these people in. And I, I, I mentioned to you Edwin Vieira. Edwin Vieira's written a half a dozen books on the Second Amendment, on the well-regulated militia. Honestly, Edwin is by far the most brilliant constitutional attorney that I've ever met, and especially on Second Amendment stuff. And uh, I am going to uh, connect you guys. Um, okay. I had an email from him. I, I sent him an email. I sent him some of the information that you have. And uh, he said, well, he may not like what I've got to say, uh, but you're welcome to connect us. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and give you Edwin's phone number uh, off air yeah. and uh, contact information because he's a brilliant uh, constitutional attorney. He's had five cases before the Supreme Court and uh, won, I think, four of those five. And uh, at the same time, uh, he set landmark legislation as well. Is, is this the, uh, the lady you were talking about from the National Association of Gun Rights? That sure is. That's Hannah Hill. And okay. uh, this, this video is going to talk about our, our latest um, uh, injunction to the Supreme Court that was denied, but the positives that go along with it. So, yeah, we okay. should play this video and it'll explain the case. Okay. Well, the Supreme Court said no to our emergency appeal asking for a stay of two state and local gun bans in Illinois. But that's not all bad news because there's a very good chance they said no because they're waiting to weigh in on the merits. And they know that your National Association for Gun Rights is about to bring them an official cert appeal so that they can do just that. This is especially true because the Seventh Circuit literally washed their hands of our lawsuit and refused to reconsider the Seventh Circuit panel's anti-gun ruling. That literally leaves us nowhere to go but the Supreme Court on the merits this time. So there's a lot going on here and we still have six other lawsuits challenging gun bans all across the country that are also moving along. But before I get into all that, please take a moment right now to like this video and subscribe to our channel for updates. And even more importantly, 
I'm going to ask you to click the link in the pinned comment below and make a generous donation to our legal war chest. Seriously, the backing of gun rights supporters like you is why we are able to go to the Supreme Court and ask them to strike down gun bans nationwide once and for all. So please join us today and help us see this fight home to victory by clicking the link below. All right, so our lawsuit, Beavis versus Naperville, was originally filed a little over a year ago in response to an AR-15 sale ban enacted by Naperville, Illinois. Our friend Rob Beavis is a local gun store owner there in Naperville, and he was literally recruited by the city back in the day to bring his store to Naperville. So you can imagine the betrayal of having that city then turn on you and literally pass an ordinance that could put you out of business, and that is what he was dealing with. So we partnered with Rob to file a lawsuit to stop that. Rob is our individual plaintiff on the lawsuit, and when Illinois passed a statewide assault weapons ban later that year, all we had to do was expand the Naperville lawsuit to also include the state ban. Now, we lost at the district court, so we appealed to the Seventh Circuit. Unfortunately, we drew a three-judge panel with two solidly anti-gun judges. And so the ruling went about like you'd expect, or maybe it didn't, because while you expect anti-gun judges to rule against the Second Amendment, you don't really expect them to say that AR-15s aren't guns at all as far as the Second Amendment is concerned. But that's exactly what they did say. So we immediately asked for rehearing at the Seventh Circuit, a process called en banc review, where all 14 judges on the Seventh Circuit would vacate the panel ruling and rehear the case. Now, we asked for that because it was the last lower court box to check before officially appealing to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, since Bruin, has been reluctant to get involved with gun cases that haven't fully gone through that lower court process. For instance, there are three gun-related cases that the Supreme Court granted search to this year. All three of those asked for en banc review at the appellate level. One case got it, the other two were denied. The point is that all three of them went through the process of at least asking for it and having the appellate court say no or actually say yes and give them an en banc ruling. By the way, one of those cases is United States versus Rahimi, which challenges federal gun prohibitors based on civil orders where no crime has actually been committed. And the other two are Cargill versus Garland, a bomb stock case, and NRA versus Volo which asks if the New York government can put pressure on banks to deny financial services mm -hmm. to gun rights organizations like ours. We're filing amicus briefs in all three of those cases because any time the nation's highest court is considering the parameters of the Second Amendment, your National Association for Gun Rights is going to be there too to advocate for our members and for the founders' original intent for the Second Amendment. So stay tuned for updates soon on those specific cases and what we're telling the courts in each one. Anyhow, it was important to us to give that Seventh Circuit the opportunity to rehear the case on Bach, because we believed that that would give us the best chance of having the Supreme Court ultimately take the case. Besides, with where we're at in the Supreme Court calendar, we honestly wouldn't lose any time, because even if they were to officially grant cert tomorrow, let's say, we would not have oral arguments on the case before next fall, so it didn't hurt anything timeline-wise. Now, we also took the very unusual step of filing an emergency appeal as well, asking the Supreme Court to block the Illinois and Naperville gun bans immediately while the rest of the case proceeds. 
To be clear, this was not asking the Supreme Court to overturn the Seventh Circuit's ruling. This appeal wasn't going to affect the underlying case at all. It was just a request for an emergency stay of the law itself. Now that is a Hail Mary move, and to tell you the truth, we fully expected the court to say no, because they very rarely grant emergency requests. But we owed it to Rob Beavis, our plaintiff, we owed it to our members, and we owed it to the law-abiding gun owners of Illinois to try every possible avenue to stop this tyranny from being enacted. Justice Barrett took the unusual step of actually looking at our case and demanding a response from Illinois on why she should not block the gun bans. And in response, they filed an absolutely bogus response, which we discussed in this video here. So be sure and check that out if you want to hear those fun details. But while we waited, the Seventh Circuit unanimously refused to reconsider the panel ruling that said the AR-15s aren't guns, and they denied us en banc review. Now, there's nowhere to go, literally, but to the Supreme Court on the merits on the case itself. And that may be exactly why the Supreme Court said no to our emergency appeal on Thursday. Their posture, like I said, ever since Bruin has been that they don't get involved with emergency requests on gun cases until the lower court process has fully played out. And it finally has for this lawsuit. Every single lower court box is checked. So that is the next step. We have three months to prepare our official appeal of the actual case to the full Supreme Court, and we will keep you posted on when that's finished and we're getting ready to file. Now, you might be asking what the difference is between the emergency appeal that just got denied and the official appeal that we're about to file. The difference is that the official appeal is asking the Supreme Court to overturn that Seventh Circuit ruling that said that AR-15s aren't guns under the Second Amendment, and that's why they can be banned. The emergency appeal would not have given the Supreme Court the opportunity to do that. That may be why the court said no. But we feel extremely hopeful because we know the Supreme Court is watching our case closely, and they know it's now time to step in or let both the Second Amendment and last year's Bruin ruling be trampled. But y'all, I want to emphasize what a huge place this is to be. Because our goal when we filed our seven lawsuits across the country against gun and magazine bans was to get a nationwide Supreme Court precedent striking down so-called assault weapons bans once and for all. And a year and a half later, we're about to ask for that ruling. None of us can predict the future, but all I want for Christmas is for Justice Thomas to shred that second, Seventh Circuit ruling that said the AR-15s aren't guns. Now, what about all our other gun ban lawsuits? I'll tell you that in just a minute, but really quick, we want to tell you about a very exciting upcoming giveaway. Do you like the idea of winning a very cool pew pew? I'll sign up for that. How about a super cool truck to drive it around in? I'll sign up for that as well. well then you're in luck because we're giving away this truck. Right now, 
Let me give you a really brief update on our other six cases because we do have some fun updates there as well. We have one other lawsuit that's currently at the appellate level, and that is our Connecticut lawsuit challenging their 2013 assault weapons ban. When that gun ban was passed, we promised our members that we would come back and sue over it. And once we had a legal arm in place and the Bruin ruling for ammo, we did just that. Once again, to no one's surprise, we lost at the district court in yet another outrageous ruling that we discussed in this video. We've appealed that case to the Second Circuit, and it's in the initial briefing stage. Now, also in New England, we have a lawsuit challenging Massachusetts assault weapons ban, signed into law by then-Governor Mitt Romney. We've been waiting quite a while on the district court to rule on that one, and since the judge called the Second Amendment a suicide pact in oral arguments, we're not exactly expecting that ruling to be favorable. But when we get it, we will appeal that to the First Circuit. Speaking of cases we're waiting on, we challenged the city of Highland Park, Illinois' semi-auto ban as well. That case is stalled at the district court level, but that's probably because the Naperville case is the one that took off. And the judge is simply waiting to see how that one turns out so that he can then apply the precedent to the Highland Park case. We've also sued over Hawaii's AR pistol and magazine bans. And that case was on hold for a while, waiting on the California gun and mag ban cases to be ruled on by Judge Roger Benitez. Those rulings have come down and the cases are now back at the Ninth Circuit. We have a scheduling conference on our case in January to discuss if we want that lawsuit to go forward or if we're gonna wait on what the Ninth Circuit does. That brings us back to Colorado, where your National Association for Gun Rights is located. We have two lawsuits here, one that challenges the Colorado magazine ban, and the other challenges four local AR-15 bans also in Colorado. These cases, both of them, have gone through the full discovery process, and we've officially asked for summary judgment. That means that we want to skip a trial because this is just about whether these laws violate the Constitution. There's no determination of facts that needs to happen, which is what the trial process is for. So we asked the judges in those two cases to just skip that phase and get, give us rulings striking down the laws. We are waiting for the rulings in both of those cases. But we did have one annoying hiccup happen in our magazine ban case. So our argument is that since standard capacity magazines are in common use, you cannot ban them under Supreme Court precedent. Bumper, let's so the leftist attorneys actually point. got the judge, a Biden appointee, to throw out our... Okay, we'll just right. stop at this point. All right. Uh, yeah. yeah, Robert, um, this is... Uh, there's so many things going on, and I'm glad that we actually played that because the National Association of Gun Rights uh, has, has really been stepping forward uh, nationwide and carrying, carrying a lot of the water. But I've got a question for you. If I can connect you and with uh, Edwin Vieira and you find... Uh, you know, a, a good reason to uh, introduce him to Hannah. Would you do that? Of course, yeah, sure. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, he he, he is an, a a brilliant uh, a brilliant attorney, and he happened to be an NRA instructor for a lot of years. Yeah, on top of everything else. Now Hannah is not an attorney either. She the attorneys are Barry Arrington is our attorney, mm -hmm. but uh, Hannah is. 
the coordinator for uh, NAGR, the National Association of Gun Rights. And mm-hmm. she has just been a pleasure to work with uh, the whole time. I mean, when I contact, when they contacted me, actually, they saw my fight going on. They contacted me. And when I told them what's what, what's happening, they took a, they flew from Colorado to Illinois the next morning and were there at my shop. And they actually wow. made one of the city council meetings just because, uh, you know, they wanted to help so much. So mm-hmm. they are a very worthy cause. I've been a member of the NRA forever. And let me tell you, they wouldn't do a thing. The mm-hmm. NRA did not do anything to help us in any way. And all the other you know, gun groups out there, I couldn't get any help from them. But mm-hmm. National Association for Gun Rights, Hannah Hill and Dudley Brown and Barry Arrington have all helped us tremendously and have stood there uh, side by side again in this fight. And I am so thankful to have them. So I no, recommend I everybody sign up for that organization yeah as a matter of fact um i i think we had better do that right now i'm i'm going to uh certainly uh uh try to support that organization and we'll put that uh thumper can we get their website up on our uh on our screen um i did i did uh actually have that uh website pulled up at one time and uh, it's important. And that, that's the National that, Association of Gun Rights. That's yeah, correct. Yes. All right. Yeah. I'll I'll get it here in, in, in as quickly as I can. Okay, Thumper. Gunrights.org too. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, um, what what is moving forward through the court system now? Uh, she's talking about uh, Amy Comey Barrett uh, actually refusing to uh, do that stay. Uh, assuming that that would uh, force, I guess, the appellate court to do something in in the interim, which they refuse to do. Is that a clear understanding? Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I It was breaking yeah. up a little bit there, Dan. Okay. Uh, Dan, Amy, Dan. Amy Comey Barrett, uh, uh, the National Association of Gun Rights, uh, through your through your lawsuit, requested that the uh, Supreme Court do an injunction to stop uh, the 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 uh, the shutdown of your business and and uh, moving to uh, confiscate or do whatever they were going to do with assault weapons, and uh, she refused to do that until the the rest of the yeah. Um, okay, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so what we were doing is we were we were asking for the Supreme Court to step in and and uh, enjoin the current law from being effect in effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a preliminary injunction. So in other words, we're saying, hey, hold this, hold everything where it is at the status quo until we can have our day in court. Right. Stop the law from from moving forward, but. Um, the Supreme Court rarely does that. And I think one of the reasons why, it, you know, personally is because if they were to give us an injunction here in Illinois, that would generate about 30 or 40 more requests and filings from other states mm-hmm. with similar bans, asking them to do the same there. What they'd rather do is just make one ruling that covers the entire country. So 
That's why they want to wait until you've played it out in the lower courts or the inferior courts as much as possible. All the all of the evidence has been heard and there's a final ruling and then they can come in and just snap a finger and change that ruling to what it should be. And so so that's what we believe was the reason why they know if they had given us an injunction, it may have, have actually prolonged our case even longer. But because they didn't, it forces our hand to file for cert immediately and get our case heard so that they can make a decision and really end this whole nightmare. Okay. Yeah, because right now um, there there was another video, and uh, we actually um, I, I sent that to you, Thumper, but it was talking about how uh, 2023 the the gun grabbers were coming out in. Uh, in big numbers and start to show their hand. Oh, yeah. And that uh, actually, uh, if you wouldn't mind, Robert, I wouldn't mind playing that because that's pretty interesting. That video is. Uh, is, is which one is that? What was it called? Because uh, It's uh, 2023 was a, a, something to the effect it was a great year for the anti-gunners. Okay. Well, let me see if I can find it real quick. Yeah, I've got uh, we uh, we've got it. I sent it to Thumper, and so oh, okay. we, we can uh, we can well, pull the, it up. Who is is that through Washington Gun Law, or who actually did that one? No, oh, I can't tell you that. No, okay. I've got oh. it ready to go, gentlemen. Okay, let's go ahead and pull that one up. Okay. Yeah. Twenty twenty-three. Biden's never-ending stream of executive orders, tomes of anti-gun oh, yeah. legislation in both the House and the Senate, intractable legislators, Democrat governors acting as lords, endless lawsuits, and the ever-present boot of the ATF aimed squarely at the backs of our necks. What a year. And before you say, oh, you're just being a doomer. Yeah, yeah, I know. Look, there's a lot of great things that happened this year too, actually. It's just not as snappy for the opening. But the truth is, None of the good stuff would have happened if it weren't for you, right? The bad stuff is a guarantee. Anytime we have a victory, it's because you sign petitions, you write phone calls, you go to state capitals, you go to hearings, you answer when we call. When we tell you what's going on, you're there. So, at the end of the year, thank you. Now let's get into it. Over the years, pistol braces have grown in popularity, not just from Second Amendment activists, but from shooting enthusiasts. Now, at the time, even Obama's ATF had to declare when looking at it that, hey, this is not make the gun more lethal or more dangerous. It's fine. Given enough time, the ATF saw us out here having a great time and enjoying the Second Amendment. And they said, no, that's, we can't let that happen. So at the behest of the Biden administration, the ATF reevaluated their own rule and found, huh, wouldn't you know it, we've been wrong this entire time about pistol braces. So their new rule basically states that if a brace is on a pistol, right, any rifle that is below 16 inches, it is now an SBR, which means you have to register it with the ATF, fill out forms, and then pay an extra $200 for a tax stamp. Let's just say that this rollout did not go the way they expected. On top of getting a ratio in their public comments, they were also made to look like fools by sitting members of the House and the Senate under multiple inquiries. You actually had a bill in the House defunding its implementation, and to top it all off, you had less than 3% compliance. 
Way to go, ATF. Now, we had a lawsuit against the ATF on this issue in the Fifth Circuit, and the judge there gave us a preliminary injunction for our members. Then flash forward to November, and another case was granted nationwide status. So we're optimistic that we'll eventually win this issue. But don't expect Biden and the gun grabbers not to try and pick this up and do something clever with it in the future. Constitutional carry has been our state-level flagship bill for almost a decade now. And at the time, people said it was wild, it was crazy, it was never going to become mainstream, it wouldn't become law. And to be fair, it was very tough at the beginning. It was hard to get sponsors, it was hard to get a vote, it was hard to even get a hearing on the issue. Well, flash forward, and now we have 27 of these laws on the books. This year, with Nebraska and Florida. Sometimes we'll have a state affiliate inside the state, working for years at a time, pushing pressure this direction, trying to curry favor, working very, very hard to get these bills passed, which would be the case in Florida. And then there's other cases where a door just opens up and we're able to seize the moment. That would be Nebraska. So our state affiliate Gun Rights Florida had been battling this issue for years. A number of things happened, some demographics, some, some seats changed hands, and thankfully, one of our guys actually accosted Governor DeSantis when he was running and said, would you support this bill? And publicly he said, yes, we will. So that with enough public pressure and some political maneuvering and some punishment for certain Republican legislators, we were able to pass this bill. Now, strangely, it actually excluded open carry, which is wild, but we'll get back to that and we'll fix that in the future. Now, honestly, we thought Nebraska was kind of a long shot, to be honest with you. It's not that we weren't there and we weren't pushing legislation, we weren't trying, but it's that the committees that handled this issue were often basically controlled by Democrats from Lincoln and Omaha. So it was sort of DOA every time we tried to really push it. Well, what ended up happening, thankfully, was that probably the biggest thorn in our side, um, State Senator Geist, retired from her seat to go run for mayor. That and a few other things opened up the door. We seized it, struck while the iron was hot, and now we have it. So it just goes to show that with years and years of planning and strategizing and political pressure, you too can have an overnight success. Before I go on, I want to make a quick shout out to the guys at our gear shop. They're doing some really cool stuff. Like I'm not a model, right? Anytime I put this stuff on, I'm only bringing it down. But if you imagine yourself looking all beautiful in this, you might like it. We've got cool hats, hoodies, t-shirts, pins, buttons, all that kind of good stuff. Check it out over here. Now, the boys at the ATF just cannot help themselves. They want to be Congress so bad, they're constantly LARPing by trying to pass legislation, or, I'm sorry, rules. These rules are really just laws that the Biden administration can't get passed through Congress or Senate because they don't have the support. Two years ago, Biden's ATF decided they were going to go after a rare breed trigger company. It's an American gun parts company that had patented the force reset trigger. Now, unlike the ATF, we all know that a fully automatic machine gun is a weapon that fires multiple rounds with a single pull of the trigger. Okay, that's not what a force reset trigger does at all. Now, unlike the way that Congress names their bills, where it'll be H.R. 666, Save the Children's Act, and then the entire bill is appropriations for how to throw children into an active volcano, the force reset trigger is actually what the name implies. It 
forcefully resets your trigger, allowing you to pull single <laughs> rounds of the trigger much, much faster. That's it. Well, it didn't matter if it was a violation of law or not, the ATF hated it. And boy, boy, did they hate this thing. It escalated pretty quickly from an angry letter to full-on SWAT raids of the manufacturer, product seizures, intimidation, going after online retailers, uh, gun parts companies, and then even going out of their way to track down everyone they had presumed had bought a trigger coming to their home and threatening them, right? That happened to one of our members up in this video here. Now, if you own an FRT and you're a member of NAGR, there is a phone number down below if you're contacted by the ATF or you're threatened. We were the only gun rights group to come to Rare Breed's defense. And we didn't just write an article or make a video decrying the harassment of the ATF or anything like that. No, we sued the ATF. And much to their chagrin, the judge gave us another preliminary injunction. Now, the ATF tried to get clever with this, and so they just kept coming after everybody, including our members. And when we said, hey, don't, the judge said, no, no, no. They said, well, we don't know who your members are versus anybody else who may have an FRT. So if you give us your list of members, then we'll just know not to go after them. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> what are you insane? No, we're not giving you our list of members. So they still kept applying pressure and going after people and eventually we got them to stop and we're gonna sue them again over it. Now, what feels like a year ago, actually just happened in September, you had New Mexico Governor Grisham deciding to pull a page from the Fauci handbook and saying, what if we just used public health as a way to ban guns? So she did. She declared this public emergency over gun health. Then she had her public health secretary issue this edict that said you cannot possess guns within Albuquerque or the surrounding county. A nice try, I guess. Now, we did exactly what our members expect of us. As soon as we heard the news that night, the next day, we had already drafted and filed a lawsuit. Now, Governor Grisham was not expecting this kind of pushback at all. I mean, this was headline news immediately. You had multiple lawsuits. You had people of Albuquerque coming out in droves, open carrying, protesting. You had the sheriff's department being like, uh, I don't think we're gonna enforce this. Even one of Biden's appointed judges looked at our lawsuit and immediately was like, yeah, let's put a stay on this. Now, she wasn't helping her case either. I mean, she was on TV and people were asking, do you think this is gonna have any type of effect? And she goes, mm, probably not, but we have to do something. You're a governor of a state, okay? I expect that kind of argument to come from like my aunt on Facebook, let's do something. This is not it. People were running away from her super, super quick, and thank goodness. My favorite part was when law enforcement told her, I don't think this is constitutional. And she said, I don't need a lecture on constitutionality. Yeah, maybe you do. We got the gist of it. This is, uh, this is really a good group. Uh, I am really uh, tickled. I'd heard of the group before, but to be honest with you, Robert, uh, I had never uh, gotten much information about the group, and I'm going to uh, get online and try to do what I can to support this group because it's pretty obvious that uh, they really are the ones that stand the gap and are making a difference. And you're right, uh, NRA has been painfully uh, absent in a lot of these lawsuits and stuff. 
And I'm sick of the way the NRA uh, treats the members because there's a lot of members. Um, I'm a member of Gun Owners of America and groups like that. And uh, the NRA has really been uh, doing a lousy job of really doing much besides just putting out publications. Yeah, that's right. The, the NRA has really, uh, you know, lost my faith in them completely. Uh, from what I understand, you know, they had a lot of internal issues going on uh, with uh, misappropriating funds and Wayne Lapeer and, and things like that. And they lost, you know, uh, a good portion of their membership a few years back. Mm -hmm. And they haven't spent any money in litigation ever since. All they do is try to get new members. All their money right. is going into marketing for new members and trying to do that. And that has been, you know, the big problem. I mean, when I called the NRA and said, hey, I need some help. I need you guys to bring some people down to the city council meeting. And, you know, I'm a life member and I've supported the NRA. I'm an NRA instructor. I'm a, I, I do a lot of stuff for the NRA. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we'd sign up 30 people a month for the NRA. And uh, they said, um, oh, well, we'll see what we can do. You know, and never even sent out anybody. And then you know what happens? I start getting emails from them saying, hey, join my join the NRA. Yeah. You know, literally, yeah. they, they just turn it into a, a marketing ploy. They'll talk to you, get your email address, and then all they do is send you, you know, emails trying to get you uh, to, uh, to sign up. But I, I just can't believe that the organization has gone down so far, and I hope they they pick a new uh, a new uh, CEO that's that's worthy, you know mm -hmm. for sure. But um, right. mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, Thumper, if you could show uh, that my front page again there, or my home page, and I wanted to just tell everybody, you know, one of the things we need help as well. Law Weapons is, uh, you know, I'm spending about thirty thousand dollars a month just keeping my doors open, and. I have been uh, it's been pretty difficult to uh, uh, to say the least to to keep this fight going. And uh, one of the things I like to say is up up there on the far right, uh, Thumper, you see where it says uh, help support law weapons um, there. Yep. That one there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you click that, you know, it does a little uh, um, you know, a little update uh, to the assault weapon case and what we're what we're doing now, you know, and what the plan is here for the uh, uh, for our, our cert to the um, uh, Supreme Court. You know, it's a, a little letter from me that I've, I've given an update to all of our, our customers and, and supporters. And, um, you know, we're hoping that, uh, you know, people will help donate uh, to Law Weapons because, you know, anything will help us uh, keep stay in this fight and keep the doors open. The National Association for Gun Rights is doing a great job, but let me tell you, this is expensive. I, I've literally spent almost a half million dollars, you know, when you write checks to attorneys for those numbers, you know, it's, it's just, it drains you. And, and then we look at our sales this year compared to, you know, any of the last five years, we're down, you know, $3 million. And with a small business, you know, that where you don't make 20%, you know, we're, we're, we're way below our ability to keep the, you know, to stay viable. We're on life support, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we're fighting every day to keep going. So, so we're hoping that, you know, there's some generous people out there that would help, uh, you know, and uh, people that, that aren't afraid to stand up for the second amendment. Cause a lot of the customers that we have, you know, that would like to donate and stuff, say they, they can't because they would be, you know, uh, 
they have businesses where lots of Democrats are their customers. If they find out they're supporting us, they could lose their business, you know, so sort of like being canceled. So, mm-hmm. um, but again, anything will help at the bottom of the page. There's a little donate thing and it's basically uh, to give, send, go. And uh, we're hoping that people will do that. Um, and also maybe, uh, maybe you want to buy a bolt. If you live in a state where there, where you have a banned firearms or where these are banned, let us know and we can ship you out bolts out there that'll uh, bring your guns into compliance and you won't have to hide them under the bed anymore. You know, you know um, Robert. Yes, sir. Uh, it's Tumper here. Uh, yes, you know, I, I owned and operated an in, uh, independent insurance agency for several years and I opened carried in my agency all the time. And, uh, you know, I never had anybody have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. And if they did, you know, I didn't want their business anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I I I have a similar feeling about that as well, you know. Uh but what's funny is um <clears throat> when the riots were going on here uh in Illinois and we had uh well everywhere and but when they were going on here and and covid had hit, I had people that would come in and say that they have to buy a gun because of Trump and they don't agree with guns, but they're here to buy one, you know. And I was like, well, you know, don't buy from me, you know, because I agree with Trump and uh, on a lot of the issues. And, uh, you know, that I'd rather not sell to you. You're not you don't want to you don't want to uh, buy from us you know, unless you're forced to or you're scared to, you know, into doing it. Then you know, why why sell to them? But no, they won't be a serious gun owner anyway, because they probably right. won't go through the uh, uh, proper training, training. Yeah. and, uh, you know, how to deal with a threat. Uh, as you know, you said you were a competition shooter. So am I. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, if you're not going to put the time behind the trigger, you're not going to know what, the, you know, you might as well just keep it empty and throw it at them. No, it's a, it's a perishable skill, right? You have to go yes. out and practice just Absolutely. like anything else. Um, Absolutely. so, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a scuba diver. I haven't dove in 20 years. I wouldn't just go out and try to dive. You know, I'd take a refresher course and, and get back into starting a pool and, and things like that before I'd go out and do it. But what's funny is that the majority of those people that did buy guns, they wound up selling them back a year later for, you know, a third of the price. You know, gun buyback program, yeah. something like that? Well, yeah. They, they, yeah, they brought them back and said, ah, I don't want it anymore because yeah. the riots are over and COVID was uh, dying down. Robert, can I ask you a question? What sure. did they? How did they uh, rationalize that Trump was the problem? Oh, he he got he started COVID. He started the uh, Black Lives Matter. He got everybody uh, in a riot. That's all the things that he's done. You know, the, the craziest things you could ever think of. They reason was Trump's fault. You know, wow. it, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. <clears throat> Trump Another made thing. me do it. Trump made me do it. Trump made me do it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. This is insane. It is. It's 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 mm-hmm. hard to believe, but uh, it is where we're living in t- in 2024. You know, this is uh, it's hard to believe. I I mean, I as a kid, I grew up, you know, shooting all the time. It was just heck. Mm-hmm. I remember taking my firearm into my machining class in high school after mm-hmm. school. To, to repair something on it and ask the teacher, can I bring it in? Sure. Went out and, and got it and brought it inside and did a little milling work right there in school. You know, we had a gun uh, range in the basement of my high school. We did yeah, too. Right. Yeah. No, it's, we did too. And, and I, I can't tell you how many, how many times I'd bring my, uh, my rifle in and leave it at the office 
in the school because I was going to go out shooting after school. Yeah. And I was, you know, I'm talking 10, 11, 12 years old. Nobody said a a peep because that was just a way of life where I live in Montana. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. 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 I'm, uh, I'm, uh, amazed every day. I mean, look, you know, we learn something new every day. I take life as, as it happens. And, uh, you know, you, you learn from it. Uh, I learned something new every single day of my life. I've, I mean, I've seen a, a I saw a gun come into the store and I don't know how many tens of thousands of firearms that I've hundreds of thousands of firearms that I've worked on over the years. And I saw a semi-automatic revolver come in for the first time ever. Hmm. Never even knew it existed, you know? So, so I learned something every day and, you know, and I, I like talking and debating with people, you know, and just, I want to hear their side of the story. I want to get as much information as I can so that I can filter it through what I've lived through in my life and my history and come up with a, a reason uh, uh, to understand it, you know, but mm-hmm. people don't do that. You know, if, if John says it's this way, I guess it's that way, you know, uh, and, and that's the mentality of people today. Well, as a matter of fact, you mentioned that, but I've got an old uh, Mauser broom handle that was made in 1896. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be illegal were, now, by the way. Yeah, they were made with that, uh, with the, actually the detachable stock. stock. Yeah. 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 And it, it put, actually goes inside of the stock. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Isn't no, that? that's considered. Listen, it, here's the funny thing your Ruger 1022, the most common. Uh, mm-hmm. rifle that kids get. I still have mine from when I was 15 years old, yeah. right? Still have it. That rifle, if you take off the stock and put on a different stock that has a collapse, you know, adjustable stock on it, mm-hmm. maybe you want to fit a short, uh, younger shooter. If you mm-hmm. do that, it's an assault weapon. If it's a 22 caliber handgun that has a threaded barrel on it, it's, it's an assault weapon. Wow. Is, yeah. Any firearm, any rifle some center fire fire rifle that has a threaded barrel is an assault weapon, but you know, they don't think about these laws. Do you know that 90% of the firearms out there that are rifles, they have a threaded barrel because the barrel screws into the receiver, mm-hmm. but they didn't say, Oh, it's only threads on the muzzle end so that you can attach a suppressor or something like that. No, they just say threaded barrel. Well, mm-hmm. if you really look at it, you know, at the exact text of that law, it would be, you know, 99% of the firearms in the world, you know? So well, it, it's it's amazing. It's just, it's amazing. Well, and the thing is, why why in the world? That's something I don't understand anyway. Uh, a flash suppressor or a uh, silencer uh, mm-hmm. would be considered a, a, a deadly weapon or make something an assault weapon. I mean, you well, know, not, want, not wanting to make a bunch of noise uh, makes perfect sense if you're a hunter. Absolutely. You don't need as much ear protection, right? It's well, safe for you. You don't need the ear protection and you don't scare the hell out of uh, animals. Right. So that they run and jump and you can't get them with a second shot if you happen to only wound them. You know, you don't right. want them to run away wounded. So, right. yeah, that's one. And the flash suppressor, if you're if you're defending yourself at night... And mm-hmm. you have a big flash in front of you. Well, it temporarily blinds you, so you can't see your second or follow-up shots as well because you've just been flashed with a bright light in front of your face. So well, and you make yourself a target too. Yeah, well, yeah, that well, that's their excuse. They say, well, we don't want to not see where the shot's coming from. 
Well, the other side of that is, hey, we're not blinding yourself so that you're putting your shots accurately on the target you need to shoot at. You know, mm-hmm. I, I get it, you know, but in a self-defense situation, that's needed. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're in the middle, if it's, if you wake up in the middle of the night in your bedroom and there's somebody in there with a knife coming at you and you fire one shot, it's going to take you a few seconds or so to readjust your eyes to see the second shot. By that time, if you missed, he's probably stabbed you 12 times, you know, who knows? So in a situation like that, a flash suppressor would be great. But a muzzle brake is helped to design to distribute the gas in a different direction to reduce muzzle flip so that -hmm. your follow-up shots are more accurate as well. So it's all about accuracy. And, you know, when they, they even talk about assault weapon attachments. So anything that can be attached to an assault weapon is an assault weapon attachment. Well, a scope, a red dot sight, uh, you know, they, they say bayonet lug or grenade launcher. Like, you know, the, the governor here is so smart that he banned grenade launchers, okay, and switches, which turn Glocks into full automatics. Well, both of those are already banned and have been for well, sure they have. God knows how many years through the ATF and, you know, uh, the um, uh, uh, firearms regulations, federal license our federal firearms regulations, but no, he, he made a big point to say, Oh, I'm banning grenade launchers. Hey, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. So um, anyway, that's, uh, that's who our governor is. And you know, his whole ploy here is, um, is he's going to say, Hey, you know, I did the best I could as governor when they lose this case, I did the best I could as good as governor. So make me president and I'll do better. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. A, another political, theater you know uh tactic well they well, they, they, they rely on on the uh uh uneducated public mm-hmm. uh which is by design yeah and right. and the media that uh uh makes bank on it you know right exactly um, and so uh you know we have a tremendous amount of education uh you know, uh, informing people about militias and and that uh, through our governors, that's a very important. And there's a lot of move. Um, uh, we have a hoster here on the show earlier today, De- uh, Brent Winters, and he works with uh, uh, Sheriff Darleaf. Are you familiar with him? No, not. Uh, they do a. Uh, uh, they've been doing classes uh, for sheriffs. Uh, on their constitutional duty and and all of that. Well, they announced on Facebook that they were doing a class within 24 hours. They had 22,000 responses. Facebook took it down. Now, this is an acting constitutional sheriff giving these classes. Uh, Brent Winters is a lawyer, uh, you know, a a constitutional attorney, constitutional attorney. And so, you know, it's not, you know, fake medical information like they were using to ban stuff during COVID. These right. are two, you know, and they've been doing these classes for a long time. But Facebook took their page down. Yeah. They took down the page of a constitutional sheriff offering classes to people to become to educated on yeah, their constitution educate. and their sheriffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. Well, Thumper, they're, they're depending on people's ignorance. They're depending on people not understanding what weapons are about, what uh, firearms registration and all these other things are all about. 
they're depending on people being ignorant, and then they can convince them through their uh, through their controlled media and a bunch of criminal politicians that uh, nobody needs to defend themselves. <laughs> well, if there was ever a time we needed to defend ourselves, it's right now. Absolutely. Amen to that. Well, um, Robert, let's um, you're you're moving forward with this. Let's talk about what you perceive for uh, timing to get all this stuff uh, through the courts moving forward. Do you have uh, an idea of the the timing that's going to be involved in moving this through with uh, Hannah Hill and others that you've talked about uh, talked with? Yes, we, we do have it. Um, so <clears throat> we're given 90 days from uh, the Seventh Circuit's uh, uh, ruling, and that puts us sometime into March, I mean, into February, into February. But um, we're I think we're, we're actually going to be doing it. We're talking about getting it filed here in the second, third week of January here. And um, they're just making sure it's ironclad. So we're spending, we got plenty of time to do it, but we are going to get the, the cert filed. And then we expect to get oral arguments happening in the fall, maybe uh, October. We, and then during that, those oral arguments, we're going to ask for a stay. We're going to go on a, you know, a, a stay to stop the enforcement. And if they do it, then it'll affect the entire United States. So every assault weapons ban that's similar, because they're all just, again, copy and pasted laws it'll right. stop them all over the state all over the country and and that'll be a big victory that alone but i'm sure that uh you know that the supreme court will knock this down they will set them straight and correct them these lower courts on what they've done but mm -hmm. what i'm really concerned with is i mean well not not concerned with but my my continuing battle is going to be how do i how do I ever recover from these losses? You know, then it's a monetary yeah. case against the state and the city. And, you know, that can go on for many more years to come. Mm -hmm. uh, will, will law weapons survive that? And and uh, I, we don't know. And that's uh, that's the thing that keeps me up every night. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mention this, uh, Robert, because you and I talked about it. Um, when you moved from Florida to Illinois and had the business in another town and then uh, mm -hmm. moved uh, to uh, uh, Naperville, Naperville mm -hmm. you spent a lot of money in the process of doing that, but mm -hmm. you had paid for your home. You had a home that was completely paid for and yeah. were doing quite well in your business because of the various things that you worked on, like training people how to, uh, um, you know, to safely uh, self-defense. And you worked with law enforcement, you worked with a lot of different groups and had a very successful business. Well, in the process of what they've done to you now, uh, you're very successful business. You've had to uh, mortgage your house to the hilt and you're pretty much running on fumes right now. Am I fair in saying that and that's why people need to help support you uh yes you're exactly right um so i mean i probably have a few hundred thousand dollars in uh credit card bills you wouldn't believe what the the monthly uh 
interest payment is. And wow. yeah, we've had to mortgage the house and, uh, you know, sell some of the, uh, sell some things, uh, some precious items that we had to, to be able to pay the employees when we we're trying to keep everybody on board. And, uh, and, and now it's, uh, literally, you know, paying this bill and that bill and having to put some of them off for months, uh, saying, Hey, we'll catch you in the following month. And, you know, just constantly juggling just to keep, uh, you know, the doors open every, every single day. It seems like there's another bill due and not enough money in the bank to pay it. So, um, you know, to, to actually recover from this is, is an astronomical number, you know, mm -hmm. and, and when you think about, you think about a business, you know, how many businesses do you know, make a 30% profit margin? There ain't many, you know, and, and we're not one of them, you know, maybe at 20%, uh, or 15% in profit or enough to, you know, where the company actually makes some money by paying after paying all the bills, you know, there's a little profit left there, but I don't know, maybe 10%. Well, when you lose 80% yeah. of your sales, how do you, how do you do it? I mean, $30,000 a month, uh, you know, used to not sound like a lot of money to me years ago, but 30,000 a month is uh, a dying struggle every month. And that's the average it takes just to keep my store going. Mm -hmm. And like I said, if they, if they successfully close my doors, they're going to run to the court saying, Hey, we want a motion to dismiss. He's not being harmed anymore. There's no, you know, there is no reason for him to have a case because there's no other gun shops that, uh, you know, would have a case in the state in Naperville and Naperville, in would, Naperville. would try to, to get rid of that. And, and once Naperville does it, those judges are looking for an excuse to drop this case, any at mm -hmm. all, mm -hmm. uh, you know, anything that'll delay it a couple of years and try to change the makeup of the Supreme court they'll do. So, it's imperative that we just keep the doors going, uh, keep us open and running. And, and we need the help of their, all your viewers out there to, to help us do that. And remember well, we're fighting for your rights too. It's going to come to your doorstep next absolutely. here in Illinois. And, and it, it gets through here in Illinois. Believe me, it's going everywhere. Hey, Robert, uh, uh, we have a, uh, uh, a person in Illinois. Uh, she has been a host on this channel, uh, in years past, uh, Tanya Franklin, uh, Guns for Girls. Mm, no, she, I don't. She I don't runs. Her. She has a very, I mean, very active training program for women. Is uh, it girl, in with Illinois. A girl with a gun? Is that a girl with a gun? Yeah, yeah maybe so. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a bunch of them out here in different yeah, areas. Well, Tanya Tanya's the head of that. She's. Uh, okay. uh, you need to get in touch with her. She's a very good friend of mine. Uh, she, uh, had a, uh, you know, she was known here as TJ Mullen LaBay. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, you need to get in touch with her. She is, <laughs> she, she's a powerhouse and she will, uh, she'll back you up. All right. Yeah. I actually, we actually host a girl in a gun here every, every other week they come out and, uh, have their yeah. seven or eight of them there and they use our facility out here and, uh, mm -hmm. do it in, Ta Tanya Franklin. up to our. Uh, we Thumper, a do, do me a favor, if you oh. would, Thumper, go ahead and uh, send me her contact information and I'll yeah. get it to you, Robert. Oh, that'd be great. I was looking for a piece of paper here. So, no, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that way we can kind of keep this going because um, you're right. I mean, if if in fact you fail, your business fails as a result of trying to do the right thing, 
uh, they'll be the they would jump on that as a reason to dismiss right. all this all this litigation that's going yep. to the Supreme Court. And now that they've learned all these new uh, new ways to to try to circumvent it, they'll come up with all of some very elaborate stuff for the next round. So we want to keep it at bay, keep it going now. Let's get to the Supreme Court and win this thing and throw this law in the dust pile like every other, uh, you know, like segregation. It should be mm-hmm. thrown right in the dust pile and forget about it and, and let's move on with our lives across the country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, Dan, I want to recommend a couple people to come on your show that could help, uh, you know, talk a lot more about this. And uh, maybe we okay. can do that off off air there. But I have a few people that would love to uh, explain their views, and they're very similar to ours. Well, I'll tell you hard what. To get, I'll tell you, it wouldn't be too hard to get Tanya on a call, <laughs> on, a, on a show with you. Okay. Um, yeah. Right here. Yeah, yeah she, she'd love... jump on that in a heartbeat. I'm, on, I'm all yours. You let me know, and, and I'll be there. I'll tell you what. Let's do. Let's do that, and maybe get uh, Hannah, uh, Hannah yeah. Hill on because she's very articulate too, and mm-hmm. put together a, a program on all the things that are going on nationwide now, uh, and kind of uh, flesh this out even a little bit more. Yeah, the more the more people we can get the word out to, the better. So uh, she must I'm be sure training Annie. a class. She must be training a class today because I would have gotten a tweet by now because she does listen <laughs> to our shows. <laughs> okay, well, Hannah, I'm sure would uh, love to get on, and we could even get Dudley Brown, the president of Nagar, to get on as well. Okay, so Dudley Brown. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, um, some of the other know, people I would love to get is a. Uh, Roger Kroll, he's the owner of R Guns in Carpentersville, and Todd Vandermine, he's a he's a, a former NRA lobbyist and Illinois gun guru here. He's uh, he knows quite a bit, and uh, mm-hmm. um, we can get Tim Ball and uh, uh, maybe even a couple, uh, maybe even a celebrity. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I better not say his name until I ask him though. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> I think I probably know you're talking about. That's okay. Um, well, let's put it this way: he played baseball, football, and basketball, and he is a major leaguer uh, in the Hall of Fame for all three. Now that wasn't who I was thinking of. So that that's <laughs> great. That is great. Wonderful. There's, there's also Uncle Ted. <laughs> Uncle Ted, we'd love to get into. Yeah. That's yeah. who I was thinking of was even Uncle Toby, Ted. either one, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, again, Robert, it's important because people need to understand that if if you run out of gas on this thing, um, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be curtains for a lot of people's gun rights. You're yeah. fighting for their rights as well as your own, and it doesn't matter. If if someone would uh, come on and and give you a dollar a month or a dollar period, that's a dollar more than you started out with. And believe me, the the strength is in the numbers. If if we could get uh, a thousand people to uh, you know put in ten bucks, uh, that's ten thousand yeah. dollars. That oh, would be a huge help. That'd be a huge help. You know, there's two hundred. There's two point four million. FOID card holders, which is a firearm owner ID card owners here in Illinois. You know, if, if just a third of them gave me a dollar would be fantastic. But, um, you know, if people, yeah, even a small donation, they all add up. Um, 
you know, I, I really encourage people to just go to my website and uh, and take a look around, and you'll you'll see uh, uh, the solutions we have for the uh, assault weapons that they the, what they call assault weapons, but also a donation page and a lot of really good information. You know, and by all means, if you're in Illinois, come by and visit the store. Stop by, shake my hand, and let's let's talk a bit if you can you know, get, uh, come out, but, uh, but yes, please tell everybody that, uh, you know, we are, we're at the apex here of fighting for our rights in this country. And, uh, we are the lead case and we're the ones that need it desperately and need it the most to, to stay through this fight. So, um, please help if at all possible. Well, and I know what a proud man you are, and I know how many of us, I have the same problem. I don't like asking anybody yeah. for financial support. This isn't a matter of wanting to do it. It's a matter of sometimes it's just absolutely necessary. And uh, frankly, you can only you can only be the only one carrying the ball for so long and eventually you run out of gas. Yeah. If if I can too uh add to that, Dan. Um the firearms issue is the for so many people the gateway into discovering what has happened to our country, what has happened to our government, what has happened to our court systems and 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 our Congress and everything else. It, you know, once people start going down the, the the rabbit hole of why they have to fill out all this paperwork, why all these state restrictions and federal restrictions and uh, rewriting of open-ended uh, gun legislation by the bureaucrats uh, to redefine, uh, you know, what a gun is, what a stock is, what a, a receiver is, all this stuff, you know, which we see happening by uh, the uh, 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 ATF. ATF. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that is the start of the people starting to sort down through the rabbit hole because it leads everywhere. And it's and the only reason that we are not in the same situation as so many other countries in this world, because they they could not and have not been able to successfully take our firearms away from mm-hmm. us. And uh, uh, had they been able to do that like they did in Australia and other, several other countries, we'd be in so much worse shape than we are right now. And we're not in great shape as it is. But we are far better than we would have been if we'd have lost our firearms rights years ago. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Well, uh, Robert, thank you for uh, thank you for being our guest. And I do have that uh, number for you. And I will uh, talk to you off air. Let's see if we can uh, put together another program where we can get a lot of people uh, sharing some of the experiences they've had. And uh, because this is a big deal, Thumper's absolutely right. If they take away our Second Amendment right, we will have no rights because fact is the reason they haven't even taken away every one of our First Amendment rights is because a lot of us have the ability to protect ourselves. That's right. You're you're so right. It's the first one. You disarm disarm your combatant, and then you're not going to be battling much longer. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, thank you, my friend, and I will be back in touch with you off air. And uh, I want to thank you for, God bless you, my friend, for doing what you're doing. Uh, Please uh, have uh, Hannah Hill and some of the other people. Let's see if we can do a uh, a conference call or Zoom meeting where we can get together with some of these people and figure out a a game plan for a really, really solid um, 
you know, a solid radio show, bringing all these people in. Sounds good to me. I'll, uh, I'll get on it right away and we'll talk uh, tomorrow there, Dan. And I, I'm, I'm texting, help. I'm texting uh, Tonya right now to let her know to expect or have her call you. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, and, and in fact, just, I'd like just, to say, just tell her, just tell her thumping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will. You got it. Okay. And also, mm-hmm. I just want to say, you know, if anybody wants to talk to me at all that's listening here, feel free to call Law Weapons and ask for me. And I'm happy to have a conversation at any time uh, to explain whatever. Uh, if you have, need any help in your state or anything like that, just give us a call and we're there to help you. Okay. And uh, would you uh, repeat that uh, phone number for our listeners? Absolutely. It's area code 630-317-7155. Or go to lawweapons.org. Lawweapons.org. Okay. Okay, guys. All right, buddy. Thank Thank you. you And uh, we'll look forward to uh, talking to you again very soon. Keep me posted, too, as things move through the court system. Oh, I will. And we'll talk tomorrow, Dan. Thank you, Jumper. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. It's good to see you again. I really uh, enjoyed that segment. Well, we've got to protect our Second Amendment rights because it's the only one that will protect all the rest of our rights. It's just that simple. That's right. Yeah, I uh, wanted to ask your guest about the Remington Arms uh, Company shutting down. Oh, yeah. I just read about that. They uh, just, uh, and, and at one time, uh, they they were down the last 270 people. Uh, that plant in uh, upstate New York uh, had at one time uh, employed over 2,000 people. Wow. Yeah, and it it says on the sign outside the business since 1816. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and they're only one of many because, and uh, Robert talked about this. We didn't get into it in any detail, but uh, right now the the, uh, woke uh, financial centers and uh, woke uh, corporate interests are making it impossible for any of the unwoke uh, people to be able to get funding and financing. And they're, they're literally making it impossible for uh, gun businesses or anybody like that to be able to get funding and financing for their business. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee Across the plains of Texas Oh, from sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston New York to L.A. Where there's pride in every American heart And it's time we stand and say 